our work has become our worth. And this message, folks, is to tell you, in Jesus, your work is not your worth. And I want to invite you to find your worth in an inward reality of who you are in Christ. How does our new life in Christ apply to our work life? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. On our last broadcast, we began a brand new series we're calling On the Job. This series will give us a new biblical worldview regarding the work we do. Today, David begins by challenging each of us to recognize what's really important in our lives. We've made our worth through our work and it's evidenced by all outward appearances. The proof of our worth is all outward. So, if I have more possessions than other people, I'm more worthy than they are. And we live in a constant snare to compare environment. And that's why so many of us go into debt in order to possess more. And then every morning when our feet hit the ground, we sing the song, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. (laughs) And also position. We work hard to have a position, a better office that makes us better than other people so we feel like we're worth something. Not only our possessions and our position, but we have a people approval desire. So if people think we're worth something, we think we're worth something. And the way people approve of us is by advancing up the American meritocracy. And then, of course, if we have power over people and we're the boss, we've really achieved something and we're really successful in other people's eyes. It's all, though, outward. But here's the problem. (laughs) Those outward things don't last. And I want to invite you to find your worth, not in your work, but in an inward reality of who you are in Christ. Now, I want to challenge all of you with something that may hurt some of you, and I don't mean it to hurt, but I want to challenge you to live differently because I really believe the gospel makes a difference in our lives. You know, long ago, I was challenged by a friend, do this exercise. He said, paint a portrait of what you want in your last year of life and keep that portrait forever in your mind and it's the goal that you're striving for for all of your years. I wanted to be a faithful pastor and preacher of the gospel but I never had in my mind, oh, one day I want to preach to thousands of people. I just wanted to be faithful. So that wasn't a part of the portrait. That was an outward success. Here's what I wanted. I wanted Marilyn and me with gnarled, bony hands, graying with aging spots on our skin, holding our hands together. And surrounding us would be our three kids who all love Jesus with all their heart, souls, minds, and might. And then the next concentric circle outward in the portrait, I wanted tons of grandkids who just loved Jesus and loved us, Mare Mare and Pappy. And then if God would allow us to live long enough, you guessed it, the next concentric circle outward, what did I want? I wanted great grandkids. 
and I wanted every single one of them to love Jesus. That was the most important part. I wanted all of them to know the inward reality of who they were in Christ and their worth was not defined by their work or any outward extremity, was, but was defined by their inward relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I knew that's what the only thing that lasts forever. The only thing. So Marilyn, with our three kids when they were younger, brought all three to faith in Jesus while driving around in the van, taking them to school, taking them to sporting events. She knew, literally, she had a captive audience. And she'd use every opportunity, especially when they would raise the subject. And it's amazing how your kids raise the subject of spiritual life when you begin dialoguing with them. She seized upon the moment to share with them the gospel. She brought all three of them to faith in Jesus in the van. That's why we call it evangelism. (laughs) Bad joke. Makes the point, doesn't it? So all three came to know the Lord, and they're all three now adults. All three now are walking with the Lord. And if you ask them this day, who are you? They would say, I am a child of God. I'm birthed into the kingdom by Jesus Christ and I live for his glory. So that's the portrait I I have in my mind because I wanted the inward reality of my life to be defined with the gospel in the heart and not by all the outward trappings that all of us fall prey to in our work. So work became a means to an end for this particular picture that I desire give you two illustrations of my two boys. Um, David, taller than I am, he's 6'9". He earned a basketball scholarship to a Division I school. And that's quite remarkable because only 2% of high schoolers get athletic scholarships. He worked hard. Man, he worked hard. And when he signed that scholarship, I was so proud of him. But when he signed it, I said to him, son, just always remember, you are a child of God who's a basketball player. You're not a basketball player who's a child of God. Always remember that. And then for some of you, you know, he went through a treacherous time in college with 15 different injuries, three knee injuries, had surgeries, and he never could fulfill the potential that was there. But at the end of his college career, I sat down with him and I said, son, I love that kid so much. I said, son, always remember, you're not a basketball player. You're a son of God who played basketball. Always remember that. Don't ever get that confused. So whether he succeeded or he failed, I kept reminding him of his identity in Christ because, folks, that's what will get you through your toughest days when all the trappings of externals fail you. Let me tell you about my Michael. Michael's a swimmer. He didn't go the basketball route. He fell into the water and started paddling and got really good. Went to the University of Missouri on a swim scholarship. Kind of burst on the scenes, and a lot of people thought he had a chance to make the Olympic team. Man, you talk about a proud dad thinking, my son can make the Olympic team. And on his first dive at the Olympic trials in Omaha, Nebraska, his arms separated. He had a terrible swim. He didn't make it. After that happened, he was collapsed on the pool deck, crying like a baby. His college coach at Missouri came and picked him up, and walked him around the pool deck, and I'll be forever grateful to his college coach for doing this. He walked him around the pool deck as my son's crying. He said, Michael, 
Remember who you are in Christ. Remember your true identity is in him and not in swimming. And when we got together at lunch afterwards and he was crushed still, and I said to him, son, always remember, you're a child of God who swims. You're not a swimmer who's a child of God. Do you get the difference? Are you with me, folks? Three people are with me. Are you with me? Your worth is not your work. You are not what you do. You're a human being, not a human doing. And when you know you're a child of God, like we sang earlier, there's no fear. Why? Because fear comes in your life when you've got a law. When it's performance-based living. And when you don't live up to the performance and something bad happens to you, what's your conclusion? I must have done something wrong and God is punishing me. Marilyn and I have to go through that. Something bad happens, you go, oh, it's because we had a little bit of a tiff. Oh, and God's punishing us. No, no, no. No father does that with his child. And when you understand you're a loved child of God with the Father in heaven really loving you, fear vanishes because you know God's not punishing you when something goes wrong in your lives. Otherwise, you live in fear. So think about this. Jesus came to reverse the curse of the fall. That's why Jesus came. Say that with me. Jesus came to reverse the curse of the fall. He came to change Genesis 3. He came to start restoring Genesis 1 and 2 in our lives. And how does that fit in with work? Well, first of all, he makes us into a new person. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Read read this with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has, if you know Jesus and you've given your life to him, you're a new creation. That, that old identity of finding your worth and your work has passed away. It's gone. My identity is found in my relationship with Jesus and him alone. Yes. You see, folks, I believe with all of my heart that the gospel can solve any problem in our lives. The, the problem's not the gospel. The problem is you don't really believe the gospel. And when you believe of the great love of the Father through Jesus on the cross, that when he died and said, it is finished, your desire to find your worth in your work, that's finished, that's done. The law is no longer what defines you. My grace defines you. When you believe that and it gets way down in you and to the core of who you are, you're never the same. That that's what God wants for all of his people. And that's the way the church will make a difference in the world is for God's people to believe in every ounce of their being, the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're a new creation. The old's passed away. No longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Listen to these words. Romans 8, 16, and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we also be glorified with him. Now, what's that saying? Because of the fall, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their relationship with God was severed. And what they passed on to all of their progeny, all humanity thereafter, you and me included, is a dead spirit when we're born. 
There's nothing within us when we're born that seeks God. Nothing. And I've asked you so often, if you don't believe in original sin, do you have to teach your children to obey or disobey? Come on. You have to teach them to obey because they're birthed with a rebellious nature. Their spirits are dead. Ephesians 2, 1, we're dead in our sins and trespasses. Dead. But God wants a relationship with us, and what he did through his Holy Spirit is he comes and touches that dead spirit within us, and he births it alive. It's called being born again. We are born physically. Now the spiritual part of us that God wanted to be birthed is born again like it was with Adam and Eve before the fall. And when that spirit becomes one with our spirits and makes us alive in Christ, there's this union life that's going on. And I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. Behold, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, that we're just unified. And here's one of the cool things that happens when you're born of the spirit. And folks, if this doesn't happen to you, you gotta ask the question, have I truly been born of the spirit? When you're born of the spirit, there's a regular conversation that goes on between the Holy Spirit and our spirits. And what he tells us is the very words of the Father to our hearts. And one of the things he tells us over and over and over again is you're my child. You're my child. And I love you and I care for you. And I went to the cross to die for this life to be given to you. The Spirit says to our spirits, we are children of God. So we become a new person and we know that who we are is not defined by our work. And then secondly, we work with a new passion. Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man. Now, that's next week's message. Okay, let me end this. Where do you find your identity? Is the curse reversed in you? Let me give you these words that you may not have ever appreciated until now. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Come to me, all of you people who have bought the lie that your identity is in what you do. You try to find your worth in your work. Come to me, those of you who are just tired, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your, what? Your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, now what does that mean? Over every Jewish home's opening door, there was a yoke, what you put over oxen to make them walk in lockstep. The yoke was symbolic of the law. What the Jews had to obey to have a right relationship with God. And along comes Jesus. And in an extraordinary verse, he says, take what? My yoke upon you. It's not a yoke where your relationship with God is defined by your performance, by your work. Take my yoke on your shoulders and you'll find it's not heavy, it's light, because it's not a yoke of the law that defines your performance. It's a yoke of grace that tells you you are a child of God simply by believing in Jesus. And if you really believe that, 
If you really, really, really believe in the core of your being, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light and you'll have rest for your souls. You go to work and you say, my work does not define my worth. I'm going to still work hard. That's next week's message. But not to define my identity, but for the glory of God. And that's why Hebrews 4.11 says, make every effort to enter into the rest of faith. You've got to work hard to believe in this culture, especially my identities, not defined by what I do, but who I am in Christ. Got it? Five people got it. Well, that's a little better than last time. But it's the truth, folks. Say it with me one more time. My work is not my worth. One more time. My work is not my worth. You are who you are because of what Jesus did for you on his cross. And isn't it interesting, on the seventh day, God looked at all creation and he said, done, finished, good. And Jesus on the cross, what were his last words? It is finished, done, good. Creation defined by what God did, new creation defined by what God did for you. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a conversation about not giving up our freedoms for security. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, just wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, uh, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center. And the meals we've fed the last eight weeks probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Thomasboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals. And, and we just thank you, Moments of Hope, and just this couldn't be, this wouldn't be possible without you guys. And, you know, uh, the, the first call we made uh, when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the Moments of Hope. And it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes. And so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um, everything you all do for us and for the kingdom. And not only that, but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the Dream Center now. This week started producing meals there, and as the restaurants open back up, all the meals will shift to the Dream Center with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful, you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope, and we just pray an unlimited return harvest on the seeds you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much. 
I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for being with us today. Hi, Jen. Great being with you, too. Well, in this morning's e-devotion, you said, don't give up your freedoms for security. Can you talk to us a bit about this one? I can indeed, because I think it is so important in our society today. You know, the American culture and our Constitution is the only one that has a First Amendment that guarantees religious rights, Mm. guarantees religious freedoms, guarantees freedom of speech. Let me, in fact, read it right now. Here is the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law representing an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of press or of the right of people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for the redress of grievances. And the whole idea of a people free to worship as they wish, a people free to gather as they wish, a people free to express whatever they want to express as they wish Mm. is really unique to our country. Chuck Colson was the one who said years ago, don't give up your freedom for security. He said that when people start feeling fear, they'll start giving up all of their freedoms. That fear somehow leads to a desire to be controlled. Jen, I don't know if it's true or not, but it seems to me like the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. COVID-19, was somehow leashed upon our nation, and it looks like one of the desires of the perpetrators of it may well have been to challenge how far we would be willing to give up our freedoms in order to have some kind of control. What we've seen nationally is the whole idea of states that lean more to the left controlling people's ability to worship, Hmm. controlling their free speech. We see states that are more to the right granting people the freedom to gather and worship, saying the First Amendment is the First Amendment and they have the right to do so. Hmm. Even the Supreme Court has tended to lean toward those on the right with this freedom given to them. Mm -hmm. But we've seen other people give up their right to worship give up some rights to free speech in order to be protected from this awful virus that's out there. And when you give up your freedoms, it's so hard to ever get them back again. And I'm just seeing our nation at a crossroads where we've got to understand what this particular Davidism means. Don't give up your freedom for security. Or if I could say it in a different way, the exact quote from Benjamin Franklin, one of our founding fathers, is this. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty or safety. Wow. That's the point I'm trying to make today. Folks, don't let the fear of a disease give up your religious liberties, Mm -hmm. your personal freedoms, because again, they're so hard to get back again, and government will take as much as it can to control your life as you'll give them. I am just seeing footage in my mind, mind's eye right now of a pastor being imprisoned in Canada for keeping his church open, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm prayerful that we do not get to that point. Well, and the difference between Canada and us is the First Amendment. Wow. We have the First Amendment. Dear friends, don't give up your First Amendment rights because of fear. 
even the fear of a disease. You just can't do it because they're so hard to get back again. This is so powerful. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. And if you'd like to receive these daily written Moments of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They'll arrive in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. From my heart to yours, a way to begin your day with truth and a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. While you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. Also, check out David's weekly Hopecast, They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for unity in our nation.